Welcome back to the second hour of Gesundheit with Jacobus. Here again is your host, Jacobus Holloway. And thank you very much for listening today. Yes, and the guest today is Dr. Gail Sulik. She wrote a book, Pink Ribbon Blues, How Breast Cancer Culture Undermines Women's Health. The pink ribbon culture is very dominant, especially in the month of October, and that's been going on for several years. A lot of walks, the Susan G. Komen organization is, uh, we'll learn more about that organization as well as we go, the research that Dr. Sulik has done. Dr. Gail Sulik is a medical sociologist. She is an author, a public speaker, and a health advocate whose work focuses on the personal and social impact of illness on individuals, families, and communities. Her research has been recognized with a National Endowment for the Humanities Fellowship, and she is an independent scholar who lives in Texas right now. Her website is pinkribbonblues.org. You can also find Pink Ribbon Blues on Facebook, for those of you who like to weigh in with comments, and uh, that will be a good way to communicate and get involved. Gail, we finished out the last hour with a question about what is a medical sociologist. Uh, would you please elaborate on that and, and how that relates to your work? Yeah, and I was happy that, that uh, Ron, Ron had called in with that question because uh -huh. I'm so used to being a medical sociologist, I forget, but it may not be <laughs> common language. Um, and so... As a, a medical sociologist, what we do is we study the, the social factors, the cultural factors that influence health and illness and how people think about it, what they do about it. Um, and so in, you know, in, in looking at a, a, an issue like breast cancer, clearly we can see that there are social aspects of it, but it is also, it's biological. There is an etiology to this disease. Um, and so it was very, very important to have the book vetted, particularly the, the chapter on, on medicine in the cancer industry. And so I wanted to let Ron know that that happened um, and that uh, not only was it read by microbiologists, people in public health and health sciences, but people in the medical profession who could say, yes, your take on this makes sense, your read of the, the scientific literature makes sense. Um, and I was really happy that... Um, Actually, there were two reviews in the New York Times, and the first one was um, actually by Baron Lerner, who is a medical doctor and medical historian at Columbia University, and he had written a piece called Pink Fatigue um, that was in one of the New York Times health and wellness blogs, huh. and, and that was great to have him come out and and write about it and situate the book within the the breast cancer movement and some of the other critiques that have come out. Um, and then there was another piece in the science uh, section by Abigail Zuger, who's also a medical doctor. Um, she focuses on infectious diseases. And it was interesting because she wrote... Um, it used to be to know syphilis and you know medicine, and that's what professors would tell their students. And exactly the same thing might be said of breast cancer these days, but not in the same circles. Rather, it is the social scientists who get to contemplate the full panorama of human reaction to disease by studying the fallout from a single one, all the shades of anguish and anger 
the posturing, the politics, and the cartloads of wishful thinking all wrapped up in a big pink ribbon. And so I was just so happy to hear that come from a a medical doctor because I think um, the focus on interdisciplinary work is something that really needs to happen. Um, This is not, you know, partly this is science and etiology and partly it is culture and and politics and economics and mass media and advertising and, and how these things all come together. So, Well, I think that I, I agree with you that it is very important that you start seeing a camaraderie amongst professionals who are looking at this and giving their points of view from different angles and actually uh, being critical. And I think that as you as anything is discovered, you always have the people with the correct intentions and you always have people who have alternate attention, uh, intentions. And I do believe that uh, medicine, as much as we like to believe that that people who wear white coats are all about helping individuals to get better, I think they're also thinking about how to themselves get, can get better and that there is a business behind the whole industry of the medical society. It's not anymore in the old days with horse and buggy and going to somebody's house, do house visits, and uh, spending a lot of time with your patients and not making as much money the whole industry has changed now you go visit a doctor and uh, you have to sit in the waiting room uh, wasting your time and energy and then spend a lot of money when you leave and is that good is it bad it is what it is and uh, so it, it it seems negative and especially those people who have been sitting in a waiting room and Chuck over here in the studio has mentioned in the past that he sometimes sits up for an hour and a half two hours before he gets his five to ten minutes with his doctor and so something is not something is not right. And as this discomfort and and unease and and criticism grows, more and more people are coming up from the ground up that say, "Wait a second, something is not right here. We need to and that we need to speak up." And you just need a few people who start speaking up and getting the news out there, realizing that there is a problem. That all of a sudden the 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 voice against the establishment is is speaking louder and and people become aware and go like oh my goodness never looked at it this way because i thought this was the way it was so this is also why your book pink ribbon blues in my opinion is so important that you let people look at another part of this whole phenomenon which is the the breast cancer culture and everything that goes around it and and how people have taken the color pink uh, there is actually an abuse of the color pink, and many women don't even like the color pink anymore because right away it associates them with uh, with breast cancer. So it is. It's. It's. Uh, I appreciate you. You wrote the book, and your comments is well taken. To all of a sudden see that more and more medical doctors are getting involved, and and science writers are getting involved uh, in this. Hey, what is going on? How can we control this? We have a caller who would like to uh, comment. To what we're talking about. Caller, good morning. Your name, please. How can we help you? Hey, uh, yeah, Jacobus, how you been? Good, thanks. Okay, this is Chris. And Hi, Chris. Thanks for coming on, Gail. And my Thank question, you. yeah, uh, my question is because uh, I've had this mentioned to me in the past that because women shave, especially underneath <laughs> their arms, that they, um, that may be a cause. For more cancer in women's breasts than men's breasts. Really? And that's what I've heard. You know, I can't say I've done a lot, researched it or anything, but 
Uh, well, it, it's interesting. There's no no data that I that I have ever come across that shows any any link with that. Um, but you know, kind of, what you're describing also is that there are a lot. There are a lot of um, there's there are a lot of myths actually floating around about what it is that causes cancer, what it is that causes breast cancer. And, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to I'm trying to go back to like what you were talking earlier about the toxins and what Clint yeah. called in, and the hair follicles are supposed to be a way for us to release those toxins mm. and then wash them out. I see. Right. So if you shave your face, are you going to get face cancer? Um, my my, I, I think I already got face cancer compared to Jacobus, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, it's a, an interesting he's not a bad-looking guy for his age. I'm telling you that, you know, or at least by his picture. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting, and I think one of the reasons that things float around as to the causes is because of the very simple answer that we do not know the causes specifically. Okay. So while we we can't uh, we can't really hone down and say with you know, for example, there is a link between lead and childhood leukemia. We know that. Mm-hmm. We know that there is a link between smoking and lung cancer. We know that. Mm-hmm. But we don't know a very specific link. We, there's no definitive cause that we can come down to and say, okay, if you have this, if you're exposed to this, you are definitely going to get cancer. Um, there are people who are exposed to all kinds of things who never do get cancer. What, why is that? And then there are other people who do all the right things and as uh, Jacobus was talking about earlier, they eat healthy, um, they exercise, they ha- maintain a healthy weight, um, they have a good attitude, and yet they're diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. What's going on here? Okay. And yeah, I was, just, so, I was just thinking that it might have been a maybe what I heard. Cause I heard this years back, and uh, on a it was a medical show, and it might be a contributing factor. But I guess your real topic today is pretty much on how they scam everybody on this cancer thing and ain't nothing getting done and probably hereditary. Yeah, that is so, uh yeah, well, hereditary is is part of it, Chris. So but okay. uh, you're right. The the book is primarily about the the whole culture, the whole pink culture that uh, that is an it's an industry an entity of itself and it doesn't always benefit the research. There is more money as uh, we mentioned before, there are more people making a living off cancer than yeah, people well, who actually die of cancer. And, you know, my first-hand experience on this part was when I was, uh, I used to be in paint retail sales yeah. at a very large store out in Las Vegas. And they'd come in with for that Jerry Lewis deal. Yeah. And no, they said, uh, okay, we're going to give you a discount. You know, I'd tell them because like, yeah, give them a discount, man. Yeah. And they said, no, we want full flipping retail. And we want your top line products. Uh-huh. Because we got to spend this money. I That's see. the only way we make money. Wow. And to me, I don't care if it's for a Jerry for Jerry's deal or it's breast cancer. I, I think the whole industry is a scam, to tell you the truth. Although anybody out here, including yourselves, can find cancer in them. That's so, right. Watch your white blood cells. <laughs> Have a good. Thank you, Bye. Chris.
Bye-bye. I think one of the uh, causes, of course, what is the definitive cause of anything? I mean, they can't figure out why people keel over of a heart attack. Uh, that's a tough one, too. There are different reasons, such as homocysteine levels or C-reactive protein or um, uh, cholesterol is not really the issue here. But uh, there are different causes of all kinds of diseases. Why does somebody have a headache? But I do believe that there is a strong link between the estrogen-progesterone imbalance that either uh, the production of estrogens naturally in women's bodies is uh, is un, is not complemented by correct amount of progesterone. And I also believe that because of, as Clint mentioned, the environmental toxins, that we are seeing an increase of estrogens and estrogen-mimicking uh, elements in, in the environment now that are landing through the skin or through breathing or water or food uh, or vaccinations or medications into the body, which bring an imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. And too much estrogen can indeed result in breast cancer or any kind of the female cancers. And that will be, of course, that that's a show on its own. Uh, right. And, and that comes back to um, uh, Sandra uh, Steingraber as well, who has done re- quite a lot of research on uh, hormone-disrupting compounds and the synthetic estrogens that you're describing. And she has found uh, links between there are more of these uh, disrupting compounds in the environment. We're also seeing earlier puberty among girls. Yes. So then those girls are exposed to estrogen for a longer period of time in their lives, and exposure to estrogen is a risk factor for breast cancer. So that may account for why there are so fewer men even though men have estrogen in their bodies as well, the the fluctuations in estrogen are more profound for women. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and and you know, I don't, I definitely don't want to um, put forth an idea that that it's that there is a total scam and conspiracy involved um, in in this. But I think part of of what Chris brings out is that there is a there is a very systematic approach to fundraising and and it's with the pink ribbon it's with other things as well but the pink ribbon is the mother of all causes yes it has become the most prominent cause um which has created uh, a lot of difficulty um so there is a system behind it and that system can sometimes disrupt in individual um individual incentives and individual intentions Mm -hmm. and and so it's that interplay between the two that the book really tries to to pull apart yes and the book is pink ribbon blues by dr gail sulik how breast cancer culture undermines women's health Uh, the book uh, definitely go to her website pinkribbonblues.org you find more information about it Uh, the telephone number in the studio is 522-8255 so you can talk to her and we have a caller who would like to weigh in caller we're going to get to in just a moment I want to let you know that uh, just around the corner from the Gesundheit Nutrition Center's Borders Bookstore, and um, I went over that the book is on order. Uh, they're waiting for it to come in, and it may be about three to four days before it comes in. So uh, you can get the book or find another way if you want to have it right now, but this would be a wonderful gift for people right around Christmas and uh, just for yourself, for your research to to get more educated about what's going on behind it and then take for yourself necessary steps or speak out, get involved, go to Facebook, get uh, go to Pink Ribbon Blues on Facebook, uh, do something to help women out with 
the help they need. Uh, caller, good morning to you. Thanks for waiting and thanks for joining us. What is your name? How can we help you, please? Hi, Jacobus. This is Susie. I'd like to address two uh, topics uh, to you and your guest, please. Thanks, Susie. Uh, I'm on a, um, I guess you'd call it an anti-soy diet. I'm not allergic to it, but it causes a lot of problems because it is one of the uh, plants that transfers most readily in a, in a very big way to estrogen. And I found that everywhere I looked, whether it be face cream, hair shampoo, ice cream, um, anything, mm-hmm. it's got soy in it. Yeah. And and we are getting overloaded with soy. And the, the new thing now for women, they claim this helps their wrinkles and everything, is to have a soy-based uh, product on your complexion. And it does help your complexion. Yeah. But you're overloaded with soy. And for some reason... This uh, breast cancer, you know, the pink uh, Susie B. Coleman outfit should be speaking out with all their power, with all their power, speaking out on this. And I haven't heard one cent about this subject from them. Would you agree with that, ma'am? Or I haven't heard anything. I've seen a lot pink everywhere, but I haven't heard anything about the soy-based culture we now have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot um, off the top of my head, but I think that you're right. There is not a lot out there about that, and it, it kind of falls into the, there. There is this idea about estrogen, and and okay, you know that that's a risk factor. But how that usually translates is then if you're a woman, you will have estrogen in your body, and you will get older, and therefore you will get breast cancer. <laughs> And yes. that's kind of the message that it, that goes out in terms of awareness and the fear around breast right. cancer. But there's not a lot of information How about what is it that causes that estrogen to go up. And, and so what, soy is one. And one right? of the things, could I bring this up about soy? People say, well, why are you concerned about something you're putting on your skin? What I was able to find out was that anything on your skin transfers almost 10 times in potency in regards to changing into estrogen as something that you eat. Mm. And uh, trust me, I ended up in the hospital kind of experiment with this stuff and, and found out the hard way. And my doctor said, this is just not well known. And uh, this uh, uh, Susan B. Coleman Foundation should be saying, you know, women cut down on soy-based products unless you absolutely need more estrogen. Why do you uh, br- keep bringing up Susan G. Komen uh, organization? Well, that's the big pink. Yeah. To me, they're the big, what this gal has come on for is the er, pink is everywhere. This, yes. is the, this pink is what symbolizes that particular foundation, you know. Well, Gail yeah. has Gail has written right. a, yeah Gail has written a, a, a phenomenal part about the Susan G. Komen organization. Well, in that's this why book. I brought this up, and that is great. And well, we maybe we should address uh, that as the second part of your your question. You bring up the the organization and 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 the Susan G. Komen, which is like the if you call pink being the poster child of uh, breast cancer being the poster child of cancer research. The Susan G. Komen organization is definitely. Uh, <laughs> Definitely right up there, and, pushing and, it. And let's not forget, too, that uh, and, and Jacoba Shu and I have talked about this on air with other guests, that when they do uh, these studies on particular cures yeah. for cancer, 
there's always a partner, and that partner could be this particular foundation or another foundation which has matched funds with the government. Yes. And if they get a, a particular study, and they're only partway through where they're getting only a 50% response on the tumor or whatever, sometimes the pharmaceutical company or the foundation or the government will cut that particular study. There's a lot of politics involved with these foundations because they want something successful. Never mind the poor person going through the study. And yeah. I saw this with my own brother, and I was absolutely horrified how they treated cancer patients. Absolutely horrified, because if you aren't in good enough shape, they aren't going to take you because they want success. I see. And, and the foundations, as you know, match funds yeah. with the government on this. And would your guest mind talking about what she knows about this? Thank you. Thank you, Susie. Appreciate your listening. Well, I know we're coming very close here to the end of this segment, uh, Gail. So I know that when uh, we bring up Susan G. Coleman and the organization and the work that they do, uh, it takes more than just half a minute. So uh, yeah, we should do yeah. that when we come back, okay? Okay. All yeah. right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Gail Sulik is my guest. We are talking about the book Pink Ribbon Blues, How Breast Cancer Culture Undermines Women's Health. When we come back, I continue with Dr. Sulik and her insights into some of the cultures. So we'll stay, stay tuned. We'll be right back.